and thanks for tuning in to the Grace Church of Ocala podcast. We're equipping disciples who make disciples in Ocala, Florida. I'm Pastor Michael Lockstamp for, and we're back. Happy Friday to you. I hope it's been a great week. And we're looking forward already to gathering to worship together on Sunday. Today on the podcast, we're starting a new series about conflict, rescue, and victory. It's called By His Hand, and we'll be looking together at God's story in the biblical book of Exodus. I'm really excited about this series as it unfolds and walks us straight into Easter, Resurrection Sunday. Honestly, I I can't believe that we're at that time of year again, but I do think that this series is so appropriate for right now. Sure, we can always use a reminder that God cares about what happens in the world, that He acts and He cares for His people. But this moment in the culture seems desperate to be drawn into that story. So let's get drawn in together as Pastor Todd McQueen opens up the first chapters of Exodus. that you would help our words not to be empty. Would you shape our hearts by your decree, by your example and your leading, that we might exalt you with our lives as well as with our lips. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Good morning, church. And that happens, except when I have to preach right after. By his hand, we're in the book of Exodus, and we're seeing everything that God does by his hand. And this morning, we're going to talk about a team, a team story by God's hand. In your workplace, at school, wherever you hang out, at the job place. We love this idea of diversification and team building. How many have been to those seminars? We have the awkward team building times. Yeah, raise your hand. I've been there. Or you have to fall backwards or something, and you got this guy or this cheerleader like, yeah, this is awkward, but you're going to have so much fun. And you're like, I just want to get off work. But there's some merit to it in the fact that we, when you work well with a team, let me just throw this out here. What are your ideas of a great team? Let's say in the workplace or wherever, what are some of the qualities that make a good team? If you have to work in a team, what is a good team? If you've been part of a good team, what were some of the ingredients of a good team? Respect. Okay. You got to trust each other. What's that? Communicate. Irony right there. So they have to respect one another, trust each other, and they have to communicate with one another. How's about this idea? Have you ever been part of a team that was incredibly well diversified and somebody was really good at what they do, but they drove you nuts? Well, yeah. 
Because a good team is led by somebody that assembles the right people on the team. And a great team isn't a bunch of people to get together and just like get along really well all the time. Because if you know anything about getting along with people, it's where you're gifted in a certain ability and sometimes that ability rubs against somebody else. Who else, who out there just can't wait to plan next year? Okay, I'm one of the few. Um, <laughs> who likes just figuring out what to have for lunch today? You know, and so you got somebody on the team that's like way out there thinking and you got somebody else that's like, how are you going to get it done? So you got the administrative person. So God brings together these teams. And the cool thing about when God brings them together, he uniquely gifts each one of those in ways that makes a great team. And they have to learn to work with one another. Because the gifts that God gives are typically, if you look at the list of gifts, there will be somewhere in there that there will be some sparks fly between them. The administrator and the visionary. Ooh, there's some diversity. So in this picture, think of what God is doing today as he brings this incredible team together. And I love this story today because there's a powerhouse of a woman involved again. Because last week, by God's hand, God did some amazing work. And with whom did he do the grazing work of Moses even getting on the scene? Some ladies. So turn with me to Exodus chapter 3 and we'll start in verse 1. God's hand's going to get our spiritual tension through the physical. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw he had turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said to him, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. So here's Moses at 80. He's in the back country doing a low-pay, minimum-level job. He's at work. He's just at work. If your work is in the desert with bushes, are you surprised to see bushes? No. When you go to work tomorrow, there will be things around you which you'll see that look probably the same as what they did last week. You're a nurse. You'll see nursey stuff. Now, if the nursery stuff catches on fire and is not consumed, you might say, whoa. But picture for a second, here's Moses at 80, getting ready to file for retirement in a foreign land, and there's a sojourner there at work. And he's at a place that's just out of the way. There's nothing significant yet about where he is. But God gets Moses' attention. The spiritual breaks through the mundane physical. The angel of the Lord peers out of the midst of the bush. The spiritual entity breaks into the realm of the physical by catching a bush on fire, yet it's not consumed. Moses, imagine if you're Moses. 
You're walking through work. And you see another thousandth blush. Robbie, you're looking at another brake job. And it's just brakes. All of a sudden, the brakes got you on fire. The car is not on fire. Has God got your attention yet? You might just stop what you're doing. If you're hiking through the Ocala National Forest and a bush catches on fire, it might catch your attention. Well, lo and behold, God gets Moses' attention by breaking through the physical with the spiritual. And I love the humor of the Bible. You guys know I just love it. The understatement of the year. I will turn aside to see this great sight. <laughs> Rachel, you're not going to believe this. You know, Frank, you're calling Sue. Hey, a go-kart got on fire and it didn't burn up. I'm calling. You're taking pictures. It's going all over Facebook. It's Snapchat. God's got his attention through the mundane at work. So Moses moves in to investigate this phenomenon. And notice God's still silent. Do I have your attention yet where you're at at work? Are you going to look at me? Are you going to stop and take a look? And until this point, God's silent. God calls him. The spiritual actually breaks through in voice. God takes a physical voice and calls Moses. And God clarifies. I'm the, I'm the God of your dad, Amram. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. From the rich tapestry of your past, the stories, the testimonies, those who have traveled the path with God of faith before you, I'm that God. The ones with whom God maintained his promises, the ones who follow God and are now with him for eternity, I'm their God. Moses, with this amazing breakthrough in life, cannot look upon God. What at one time was a wild curiosity about something that would have made the History Channel or Snapchat turns into, wow, this is a spiritual encounter. What at one time was a physical interest in the most bizarre turns into, I can't look. God gets Moses' attention. Where does he do it? At work. At 80. What would it take this week to get your attention? God changes our life. The workplace becomes separated for God's work. Take your sandals off, for this is now holy ground. It's not all of a sudden because that, uh, you know, God got a plat mat out and said, by the way, you'll mark this office spiritual from now on. It's still a dirt. It's still a bush. It just happened not to burn up. As God saying now, make sure when you come back, worship this plot of land. No, why is it special? Why is it set apart? Because God met him there. I am transforming the mundane physical into the encounter with me in the spiritual. Take your sandals off. This week at work, what will it take to get our attention in the mundane? What will God do to break through? How much of Moses' life was he at 80 for being the passionate, social, welfare, gung-ho dude? And God parked him out there in the wilderness for 40 years. Sometimes we want a big burning bush moment. But what will it take to get our attention? Because God's going to use Moses clear through. 
So we see God's hand in breaking through the physical to get his spiritual attention. Let's move on in Exodus and see God's hand versus the enemy's hand. Verse 7, Then the Lord said, I surely have seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and, who I, have heard, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the people of Israel, out of Egypt. So the Lord has heard. The end of chapter 2, the people are praying. They're crying out. They're in desperation. It's been decades and decades of this. And it's a prayer meeting. And God hears. And God rescues. God says, I have seen the affliction of my people. I have heard their prayers. I know their sufferings. I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. I will bring them to a good and broad land, rich in resources. I hear them right now, and I currently see what's happening. There's six things, God, there. The spiritual breaks into the physical, and God gets incredibly intimate. Wherever today's turmoil is, knowing when your prayers are heard, because we know, we talked about this last week, that if we send an email and somebody waits 40 years to respond to us, we're not going to call that real response, really good response time. They prayed and prayed, and God's right there with Moses saying, I've heard, I've seen, I know, I've come down, I will bring, I hear. Come. All those prayers, and God meets him, and what does God ask him to do? Fill out a card and say, God answered my prayer. Wow, I'm so glad that God answered me. Oh, what's God expecting now? They prayed. You're the dude. Let's pack your bags. I will send you. Interacting with God breaks into the physical in a spiritual way isn't just enough. It motivates us to action. It's the foundation in which God is saying, Moses, I've called you to do something. Now come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. See, experiencing God includes both the call and the commission. Somebody offers you the best job you've ever wanted. And you've been looking for a long time. And the phone rings and you take the call and you say to your spouse, Hey, I just got that great job. Then the next day you don't get up and go to work. We would find that ridiculous. But God has met me. God has done incredible things with me. I have an experience with him. And I'm good with just that. No, there's a call and then there's a commission. And see who the, uh, by God's hand, this unlikely leader is going to use. In this long reading, I want you to picture the scene. We know Moses is a pretty fiery dude. And I love the fact that he gets to argue with God. Have we ever wanted to do that? It's kind of like, Ooh. listen to these words. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, but I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. 
When you have brought my people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I'm to come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. God continued, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of our fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me, saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt, and I promise that will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and the Jebusites, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 18, And they will listen to your voice, and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to them, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us, and now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go, unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do with it. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give you this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty. But each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. You shall put them on your sons and your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians." Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. For they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. And the Lord said to him, What's in your hand? A staff. And he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and became a serpent, and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, Put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Again, the Lord said to him, put out your hand, in your, put your hand inside your cloak. And he took it out, and behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put it back inside his cloak, and it was restored to the re- like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may, believe to the late, they may believe because of the later sign. If they will not listen to you, believe you, even these two signs, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. And the water that you will take from the Nile will become blood on dry ground. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent. I am not eloquent. Either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and I will teach you what to speak. But Moses says again, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. The anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know he can speak well. Behold, he's coming to meet you. When he sees you, he'll be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth, and I will be in your, with your mouth and with his mouth, and I'll teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. 
and take in your hand this staff, which you shall do these signs. An unlikely leader by God's hand. First in 3.11, Moses says, Who am I? God said, I will be with you. Literally, I am have sent you. Here's your sign. You're out at work, and the bush caught on fire. It was just a regular old spot. But you're going to come back here, where you clocked in, and your entire people will worship right here, Mo. Okay? Then Moses asked, so Moses asked, who am I? Then Moses answered a really great question. Who are you? We might do this. Bush catches on fire, we hear a voice out of it. Who do you think? First, you're checking your pulse or your psych meds to see if something's going really crazy. The voice coming out, who are you? What does God respond with that transformed the history of God's word from here on? I am. I am who I am. I am. I am the God of your father, Amram, of all the generations. The generation observed that what I have done with them. I observed everything that's going on now, and I know when I see their plight. I promise to bring you and them up out of this affliction and to give you a place to live. People will listen to you, Moses. I promise. Go with the team. Go with the elders to Pharaoh. God has met with us now. Please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness to do what? Worship God. I know it's going to be tough, God tells Moses right here. I know that those in control are going to fight against you unless compelled by what? A mighty hand. By God's hand. There's going to be a spiritual battle, Moses. I will win, and I will win big time. Victory is assured. In fact, you're not even going to need to fight. Did you catch that? How do they get the plunders of victories? By merely asking for them. Your people will win with just a voice. We got this. The plunders of victory will be received merely by asking for them. So Moses says, they won't believe me. Hey, this is kind of reasonable. Moses' resume isn't necessarily stellar. One writer states, his status with his own people is questionable at best. He's a fugitive with a clouded reputation. He's left Egypt under a sentence of death, and he's been away for a long time. How could they trust him? How could they believe in him? Would you? No? So what God's saying? I am the one to believe. It's not about you, Moses. I am the one to believe. And I'm going to give you three ways to show that I've given you the power to tell them that. And you're familiar with these. Then again, I have to say, the Bible is so funny. When he throws down the staff and it turns into a snake, what's Moses do? He ruins. <laughs> My mom is entirely, incredibly scared of snakes, and if she was Moses here, that would have just ended the whole story. And then God says, pick it up by the tail. If you've ever handled snakes, exactly where not to pick it up. But what's, what's God doing with Moses? Of course, you're probably right, Moses. 
they won't believe you. And it's not up to you to be the one they believe in. Because it's my story, says God. I will do things by my hand in your life, Moses. And by the way, I'm going to give you these three signs in which you can interact with people. The hand, leprous. Taking water out of the Nile, dropping it on the ground, and it turns to blood. God gives us gifts to make him known, not for us to look how cool we are at doing alchemy with water. How we do at playing with snakes. And how we do at curing illness. Why does God give us these gifts? Why is God giving him these gifts? I know they won't believe you, Moses. I am the one they need to believe in. Moses says, I'm not eloquent. Maybe you had a big time stutter. What's God respond with? I made you. I got this. I know you. Who made you without an eloquent voice? I did. Now go. I'll be your mouth. <laughs> and I'll teach you what to say. That's why we read Luke 12 this morning. When Jesus says go, and the disciples are like, hey, it's pretty rough out there. And they're going to probably, it's going to get worse. And Jesus says, you know, you're right. They're going to bring you in front of the rulers and probably try to kill you. In fact, they probably will. And like, imagine what they're thinking. What are we going to say? Don't worry about it. I'll tell you what to say. I'll be your mouth. The Holy Spirit will teach you what in that very hour you ought to say. Then Moses continues, oh, my Lord, please send somebody else. I'm not the right guy. Okay, in some ways you're not. You can't talk. I made Aaron, too, team up with him. You're going to team up with him in a way that's godly. There's a phrase in here that probably kicked you in the side of the head, and you shall be like God to him. Talk about team unity. When Moses speaks, Aaron's like, ooh, that's God talking now. He's going to go from brother to co-worker. Two guys with different gifts, but they're going to have to work together. They're going to have to team up. I will give you other team members to assist with the mission I've given you. Now take your mouth, take your hand, and your staff, and get ready to use them. Go. Take the gifts I've given you and use them to rescue my people. This morning, you're asking, looking, looking at God and saying, who in the world am I? God's promised to be with you. Someday you're going to worship him where he's promised. Then you're going to say, God, who in the world are you? The God who has kept his promises from Genesis 1 to the end of Revelation. The same God who walked with the Old Testament people. The same God who walked with his disciples. And the same God who has walked in, with those who you have watched in life and has passed on to glory. The great tradition of why we're even sitting here is because Peter and them guys went out. So who are you? God said, I'll be with you. Who are you, God? I am. I have always been present. My presence is always now. 
they won't believe me. How many of us will think this about going to work tomorrow? They won't believe me. Okay, do life with them. And allow them to see my hand working in your life, God says. Let me use, you go and you use those gifts I've given you and let them watch that. They will believe, the person to believe in is me, not you. Let me work with you as you, you use your gifts. I'm not eloquent, we could say. I'm not the person that does, I'm not the right person for this gig. God created you and knows you. Allow him to work in what he considers his masterpiece. Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Send someone else. No. I'll give you others. Do this life with others. We're just like him. And this is why we gather. What are your spiritual gifts and how can we do this with you? How can we do this with one another? Will we do the mission that God has asked us to do? And we all at least resonate with some of those excuses. But God's not done with the plan. He's going to reveal his plan to Moses. Look at chapter 4, verse 18. Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go back to my brothers in Egypt to see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And the Lord said to Moses and Midian, Go back to Egypt for all the men who are seeking your life are dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons and had them ride on a donkey and went back to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the staff of God in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I've put in your power. But I will harden his heart so he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. And say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. If, he, if you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. God's revealing his plan to Moses. It's a cliff notes of the rest of the book. God's plan included going back to his family of 40 years. His father-in-law. Let me go back. Do we have to? Man, that'd be tough. You're 80 years old, and where you've lived for the last 40 years, God is asking you to move on. So to move on, you're going to go back and talk to them and say, here's what God's doing. I'm going to share my story. And what does Jethro say? Go in peace. This word is so amazing. This is an amazing pep talk. What in the world is peace? It isn't a peace symbol from the 60s. It's God has the knowledge that he has not lost sight of your situation. He has the power to interact with it. And he's promised you victory in the income. All that outcome, all that wrapped into one. So when he says go in peace, it's like, go boy. And God lets Moses know, hey, everybody that's seeking your life is dead. So Moses loads up, picks up his staff, and goes. The Lord is saying to Moses, hey, you're going to have to keep to the mission. Remember, the call leads to commission. And in the commissioning, you've got to go. It's not just about a return trip to Egypt, but to do what I want you to do there, Moses. Have faith. Be obedient to use the gifts that I have given you. There is power in them. But know this. It's going to be really, really tough. If and when he refuses, tell him this. 
Israel's my firstborn. Let my firstborn go. And if he doesn't, I'll kill his firstborn. How does the challenges to Pharaoh end? God keeping this word. Looking in here. But now we're going to flash out chapters 3 and 4 for a lot of chapters later. But God's telling Moses, hey, you're doing good. You're on a mission. You're going. You packed up the U-Haul. You got the family and kids loaded up, and you're rolling out. It's not all this about the trip. It's not all about just doing your change of address form with the post office. Keep to the mission once you get there. But know this, it's going to be tough. God's going to win the battle. God knows how it's going to end. And God keeps developing this team. Pick up with me in verse 24. At a lodging place on the way, the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. Then Sephora took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and touched his touched Moses' feet with it and said, Surely you're a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him alone. It was then that she said, A bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. Then the Lord said to Aaron, Go in the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met with him on the mountain and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord, had, which, Lord which, which he had sent him to speak, and all the signs that he had commanded him to do. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that they had seen their reflection, they bowed their heads and worshipped. God's building an incredible team. This is an amazing life. Here's Moses in the U-Haul, obediently going back to Egypt, and he's got unleft business, and it's big sin, and he hasn't taken care of it. Here's a leader of the group that doesn't take care of sin inside the family. Guys, God holds you responsible how you lead in the home, regardless of your stature. I love the fact that the Bible doesn't have a perfect hero. He's doing awesome stuff. And who in the world has to pick up the slack at this time in the story? And how serious is it? Look at the first verse. And the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. What? Moses, we've been interacting. You're doing good. You're obedient. But stop the U-Haul. Pull over. You got sin. And if you're going to lead other God's people for me, even with all these gifts I'm giving you, if you don't get this taken care of, I'm going to kill you. So Zephora must have overheard the conversation. She jumps to action. She's a strong wife. She rises to the occasion. She knows what God wants and steps up to the plate to save someone's life. Even with the miraculous call to serve God, the assurance to victory, the obedience to go, sin has to be dealt with in the family. God's hand in bringing Moses to Midian by fleeing after the murder in Egypt is all in this plan of hooking him up with this incredible wife. If you are married to an incredible spouse, thank God. That is an incredible gift. And sometimes that incredible gift is say, you sinned and did what? Let me take care of that, God. This lady is not a floor mat. 
She's a powerhouse of obedient and following God on God's terms. She didn't negotiate the terms. God says, here's what you do with boys to worship me. She didn't negotiate and say, well, I want to do it this way. No, she knows what God wants. Faith is following God on God's terms. And she does it. I like this lady. Who needed her big time for this mission? You're going to do something really tough in life, getting ready to retire. You're 80 years old and your spouse is there around and they're a powerhouse. They're incredibly asset and God has gifted them in an amazing way. Who do you want in the U-Haul with you? Them. I, could, I should have preached the entire sermon just on these verses. But the team is still being developed. In 27 to 31, God calls Aaron to Moses to join the leader and be a vital part of the team that God is building. Aaron is going to go from brother to team member, from family member to choosing and utilizing the gifts that God has given him to help his brother, to help the leader. Moses trains and leads Aaron. Moses gives Aaron the mission. Look, God, then Moses, then Aaron. At any given point, Aaron could have said, I want to be the leader. No, he's playing an incredible role in his special role. It's humility. Knowing your role and doing that role incredibly well with the way God has gifted you. That was to be an assistant to Moses. So who else do they pick up along the way? So you got Moses. This is a four. Stop and pick up Aaron. Then who do they pick up? The elders. Team building. Each with their own gifts. And I love the ending. What do they do at the end? Verse 31. And the people what? Believed and then worshipped. Okay. This is, I want you to make sure you get this. God builds a team with unique gifts in unique ways so they work together to bring everybody to God. They haven't believed Moses. They've believed God. They haven't believed in the cool message and they're celebrating, hey, we're going to get out of Egypt. What are they praising God for? He is coming. He is going to interact with us. I am. God is present. He's heard us. Let's all then worship him. They are worshiping God, not the messenger, nor the message. Sometimes we love the idea that Jesus saves. I'm not, I'm, that's really good. Don't forget to worship Jesus. Does that make sense? They didn't worship Moses, nor his message. They worshiped God with their own gifts. And what's it take to worship? Time. The group. Team. And what are they going to ask Pharaoh for? Time. To worship independently at work? Corporately. This is what will irritate Pharaoh. You want time? To worship whom? You crazy. By God's hand, we are called to team up for an assured spiritual victory. God's hand worked in amazing ways to bring this team together. God's hand has worked in amazing ways in Ocala to bring people together. 
And there's incredibly unique gift sets in this room that are simultaneously a joy and simultaneously like, oh, it's crazy. But why? For an assured spiritual victory that says, God says, I will win. When Pastor Michael picked the Psalms today, I loved it. It is finished. We live in this tension of it is finished and yet we're working toward it. He has won the victory, but we still have a battle to fight. Put on your armor all. That was a kind of bad joke, but. So at the same time, God says, team up. You're going to win. And it's going to be tough. Do it together. Next week, we get the fun part where they start the battle. And it doesn't win real quick. So this week, how will you team up? Because each team member has been given a God-given gift. What is your gift? Are you a part of the team? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Are you willing to follow him? Yeah. Then how then will you use the gift that the Holy Spirit gives you to work with the team? Will you use yours? You, will you use your gift to make disciples with the team? Because remember, it wasn't just about God, Moses interacting with God, getting in the U-Haul. It was staying to the mission. Yeah, we're as a team. We like getting together on Sundays, except when Pastor Todd goes too long on Sundays. Frank's looking at me. But what's the mission? We're going to say it in Matthew 28. Go and make, make disciples. That's our mission. Don't forget that. Our victory is assured. It's tough. You're going to win. But those of you who have walked with Jesus for a long time have seen some scars have celebrated the God who has gone before with our predecessors that we knew by first name basis. The victory is assured. Next we're gonna open up how that victory opens up. Hey, thanks again for listening. We hope you've been challenged, encouraged, and helped by God and his word. If you want more information about Grace Church of Ocala or would like to get in contact with us, please visit our home on the web, ocalagrace.org. And if we haven't met yet, we hope to talk with you soon.